Good morning, church. Please stand. Lord, we're just so grateful to be in your presence today. We come with joy and we come with thanksgiving and we come with expectant hearts for the things that you're doing, for the things that you're going to do in this season of Lent, God. And we just come before you and we bring all our stuff and we lay it at your feet, Lord. I bring you more than one. 
Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. His mercy endures forever. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit.
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray together the collect. Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The children will come forward. Come on up, Ryan. Rowan. Come here, bud. This is great. I love these kiddos. Lord, I pray that you would bless these children. That you give them grace and mercy. Especially this morning as they go with their Sunday school teachers, Lord. Which is my wife. Bless her. I pray that you bless these ones, Lord Jesus. That they would come to know you in a very special way. Thank you for those who are here from out of town. Well, don't move away. Lord, bless them. Can't get to that one. Got to chase them down. Lord bless these kiddos in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys, go fight when. This morning's Old Testament reading comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 9, beginning in verse 8. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And as for me, behold, I will establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you, and every living creature that is with you, for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be, when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all the flesh that is on the earth. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 25. And we'll respond by the half verse. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed.
ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness. For they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember them. For your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice. And the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. To such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Glory be to the Father and the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. This morning's New Testament lesson comes from the first book of Peter, chapter 3, commencing. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. on our lips and on our hearts as we hear his holy gospel the holy gospel of our lord jesus christ according to saint mark glory to you lord jesus christ we're reading from mark's gospel chapter one beginning at verse nine it came to pass in those days that jesus came from nazareth of galilee and was baptized by john in the jordan 
And immediately, coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. purposes for our life, Lord, that we might build our lives on the foundation of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
So you might notice that there's a bit of a generation gap in our church today, or maybe you didn't, but all of our youths are up on the uh, mountain at their retreats, and things I've heard are going really well. I will encourage you, I just want to make one note about that. As they come down the mountain today, I encourage you, if you encounter them, ask them what they learned. What did God do in their life? I think sometimes we fall for the trap in our culture uh, where we think that there's a limit to what God can do based on the type of person you are, the age you are, and we sometimes forget that there is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that is in our youth is the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And so you could learn a thing or two from these young people and the things that God is teaching them. And so that's my one encouragement regarding our youth retreat. Please keep them in your prayers as they're coming down the mountain. And of course, as they get back into the daily grind of life, we should pray that the work that God has begun in them will be brought to completion. Amen? Okay. Today we're going to continue our series that we've been doing. And we started with faith and unity, and we're going to continue today with joy. We felt like God was giving us this word for St. Michael's as we enter into 2024, that he wanted to make us a people that are marked by remarkable faith, mountain-moving faith, by the unity, the love between one another that would evidence to the world that we are followers of Jesus. And by the joy, in fact, specifically, we're going to focus on the idea of joy as the the joy of the Lord is our strength. Because God's taking us somewhere as a church. And those of you who are visiting, it's a funny time to be talking about what God's doing in St. Michael's when we see all these visitors here. God's taking you somewhere too. We're all on the same journey, the way of the cross. We're going to get to the way of the cross later. Now, it may seem odd to begin Lent with a sermon on joy. If you know anything about Lent, it's a solemn penitentiary season. It's one of these, uh, sorry, penitentiaries where you lock people up. It's a penitential season. Sorry, I'm a little off on the wording there. But it can feel penitentiary the way you celebrate it, right? That is not the way that Lent is to be celebrated, In fact, there's a whole passage that we're not going to talk about today for the sake of time where God says the talks about the fast that he wants. And the fasting that he wants is the one that sets people free, that heals people, that raises people up. And Jesus makes very clear what he thinks about the fasting where you make yourself miserable. He doesn't think that's what God's talking about at all. And so we're going to talk about that in this sermon. And as we move into this, I want to start with this this thesis. Joy is all about alignment, about being in alignment with God and his purposes for us. Let's start in Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What does this scripture talk to us about joy? What does it tell us about joy? Well, first of all, I want to key in on that phrase. You make known to me the path of life. It means that there's actually a path 
which, as you know, a path is a delineated direction, a space in which to walk. And you can be on the path or you can be off of the path. And I want to argue today that that phrase is intentional. The path of life will lead you into his presence where there's fullness of joy. Further, in Proverbs 4, verse 26, it says, Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. My argument today is that joy is found on the path of life. And that all the misery that we experience tends to come when we leave the path of life. Let's keep talking about this. First of all, where is the presence of God? Well, right here. Right here. God is present when two or three are gathered in his name. And so this morning we know that God is present. But maybe there's somebody out there who says, but what about the fact that God is everywhere? Isn't God supposed to be omnipresent? Well, let me just explain. I think we all know this, but let me just dive into this. There are places where it is right to say God is not there. And let me not get, I'm I'm really trying not to go philosophical here. But poetically, what the psalmist is pointing out is you can come to the house of the Lord to meet God, or you can run away from him and hide yourself in Sheol. Now, the promise of the psalmist is also that God is there too. But you can hide from God's presence. You can cut yourself off from the ways of the path of life. And my argument today about the path and joy is that you need to know where God is taking you in order to experience the fullness of joy that he has. That this is not a uh, get-rich-quick scheme. Sometimes we, I feel like we talk about Christianity. Just, just accept Jesus and all your problems will go away. Just accept Jesus and everything will be better. While those may be true statements, they don't explain what I was talking about earlier, the way of the cross. In fact, when we talk about the path of life, I would tell you that controversially or paradoxically, the path of life is the same path that led Jesus to his death. Stick with me a little longer. We're going to get a little further into this. Paul writes in Galatians, Galatians 5, verse 16. I say, walk by the Spirit. All this walking, all this path, it's about where we're heading. Every one of us is walking through life. And there's choices that we make to either be in alignment with the purposes of God or to walk aside. But let's continue here. I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Let me just break that down in our language. I want to lose 20 pounds this year. This is a goal, but the desires of my flesh are against that goal in my life (laughs) to be very practical that the the desires of my flesh call to me. Those thin mints I ate last night while I was watching TV were calling to me the Girl Scout cookies and the milk. It was calling to me to lead me away from the desire of my spirit to improve myself. 
I'm trying to make it very clear and very plain. Paul's writing in language that is not meant to make it hard to understand. He wants you to think about all those things that you know you should do that you find yourself not doing. Or all those things that you know you shouldn't do that you find yourself doing. And when we look about this, we can see that our lives can be these anxious push and pull between our desires, the things we know we should do and the things that drag us away from that. And let me say, the anxiety and the tension in there can rob our joy. This is meant to be the path of life. This is meant to be the path of joy. In fact, I would argue that nobody has had more joy in their life than Jesus as he walked this earth. And so when we talk about Christianity, I don't want to get caught into this dour idea of Lent where it's like, shape up, be better, stand tall, get those bad things out of your life. All of those things are true. We want to shape up. We want to be better. But it's for the joy, the freedom, the healing. It's not to make you feel your guilt all the more, or your shame. It's actually to set you free to experience life and life abundantly. So if we talk about these things, and we talk about, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how faith can be corrupted by our unruly desires. We brought up how Eve in the garden, the, the Satan comes in the form of a serpent and says, doesn't that fruit look really good? Oh, you mean the one God told you not to eat, but it's really good? And it says specifically, when she saw that the fruit was good to the eye, then her faith was compromised and she took and ate. In the same way, these unruly desires, they promise joy, don't they? Every commercial that comes on your screen promises you some fulfillment, some joy. Buy this product, eat this cookie, do this thing, and you will feel better. That's the lie. Walk the path of life. Walk in alignment with God and His purposes. That's where the true, the true joy is found. I'm going to use one story that we are all very familiar with to illustrate the difference between people who follow the desires of the flesh and the people who follow the desires of the Spirit. And it's a, it's a classic, a Christmas carol, right? We see maybe the clearest example in our modern lexicon, our modern storytelling of the misery that comes when you pursue the desires of the flesh and the joy that comes when you are in alignment with God and His purposes. We've got Scrooge who follows only money. And it's empty. In fact, the ghost of his past, the ghost of his present, and the ghost of his future come and haunt him because he's so miserable and empty. And then you have Bob Cratchit. Gotta love Bob. What a name, Bob Cratchit. And yet he's the hero of the story. The surprising turn is that he has joy in life and life abundantly. And we're talking about the guy who can barely afford food, who is freezing, whose son is about to die because he doesn't have proper care. That guy has joy. That's the contradiction in terms that we run into when we look at the world that promises you follow these things And you will be fulfilled. And then we look at Bob Cratchit, the family man who worked by the sweat of his brow, who loved his family and did everything he could to provide. And Scrooge is on the outside looking in at a dinner happening between Bob Cratchit and his family. And his heart melts at the sight of true joy. 
And guess what? Bob Cratchit's faithfulness to stay on the path of life, to pursue the things of God, are the exact thing. He becomes the miracle that turns Scrooge from Ebenezer Scrooge into his own provision. You know that Bob Cratchit's life changed because Ebenezer was converted. He saw a picture of Christian joy. And Ebenezer, the next day he comes out, he he completely changes Bob Cratchit's life. And I don't know if you guys know this, Tiny Tim, he does okay. He gets the medicine. He gets everything he needs, the food, the clothing, the provision. And Bob Cratchit, who was just faithful in the little things, becomes the person who creates the change that God wanted to bring about in Scrooge's life. It's like so simple, and yet every day I find myself fighting the same battle. But man, that thing on Amazon, that would be really nice. Have you seen how good TVs have gotten lately? Have you heard how good speakers have gotten? Like, did you know that you can get really, really tasty scotch at the grocery store? There are so many things that promise the joy that is found only in Christ. All of those things can be good in their context. I'm not saying don't drink the good scotch. I am saying know what's going to bring you joy. Paul continues after he tells you to give up the desires of the flesh, embrace the desires of the spirit. And he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You're starting to see hints of what I mean by the way of life is the way of the cross. You have to actually crucify all those things that pull you away from what you want. Let me let me look at this list here. Let's go back to verse 22 if we can. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Man, if that was the way that people characterized my house, how much joy would there be? If you think about this. In community, what are the things that pull away from joy? Selfishness, pride, anger. Let me talk specifically about children. What are the things that drive me nuts about my children? They are selfish. They are angry. They are prideful. They think they know better. They are rebellious. What am I trying to teach them? I'm trying to teach them the way of life. I'm trying to teach them to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow Jesus. And my six-year-old doesn't quite get it yet, much less my three-year-old. But it's going to be a long road. But what am I doing by pursuing, disciplining, raising them? I'm trying to lead them to the path of life, the path of joy. But what if I'm harboring all my own issues? There's a little hint. I am, right? I have my own stuff. Well, I can decide, especially during the season of Lent, to look at those things and say, what can I give up? What can I put aside that's leading me to all of the things that I don't want in my children? That's pretty clear. If you ask yourself, what, how do I want my kids to live? Well, that's pretty convicting. Because I don't do it very well. No, I want my house to be a house of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
That's what Lent is about, engendering the fruits of the Spirit by denying our desires of our flesh and embracing the things that God and Christ is leading us to. I am going to quote C.S. Lewis. I think I'm contractually obligated to bring him up every couple of months, so this is our time. Um, We're going to just read through this really quick because he really sums it up for us really well. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures. I actually do think I have slides for this. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. That's like my motto for Lent. It's not about just denying yourself. It's about having the right desires. Our desires are not too strong. We often think, oh, Christianity is all about denying our desires. No, it's about shaping your desires. I want to desire Christ first before everything else. And then all the other stuff falls into place. All the other things that are in you. In fact, your desire to have a good time, your desire to have nice things, all of that is a part of God's kingdom. He built that into you. You're meant to have life and life abundantly. It just gets twisted when we're walking down the path. We swerve to the right or to the left and it gets twisted and our hearts start desiring things that are not from Him, that are not good. Or it desires too much. You can have too much of a good thing. You can have too much of a bad thing. All of those things happen and Lent is the perfect moment to say, you know what? I feel burdened. I feel anxious. I feel depressed. I'm not feeling enough joy. Well, thank God Lent is here. Where we can set aside those things that pull us every which way and we can embrace those things that are on the path of life. Where there is joy and fullness and the presence of God. I love when Lent comes around. I know, like, really, I do. And there are times where it's hard. Like, literally, Wednesday, I have not thought once about getting a donut. And Wednesday, Ash Wednesday comes around, I gave up sweets for Lent, and that day, I'm like, you know what's really good? Donuts. Donuts are just exactly what would give me joy. No, it's, 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 it's training yourself to desire those things that are above, the better things. I can say I did not eat the donut, okay? I'm still good. I'm still good so far. We'll see, you know. Lent is also about learning about repentance and forgiveness. So if you mess up, you're still a part of the, you're in the program. Go to God. We have confession on Saturdays. It's a great time to get rid of those guilty sins. Okay, so maybe you're tracking so far, but you're, you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm trying so hard to be on the path and I'm miserable. I'm just like, I'm trying And yet, I feel empty or alone or anxious or depressed anyways. Don't worry, there's more. There's more. Let's talk about this. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. If there's one secret to Christianity, just one thing that you have to do, you just don't give up. You keep doing the thing. You keep running after Jesus. You keep taking up your cross. 
you could be really, really bad at being a Christian and still get everything Jesus promises. As long as you don't give up. In fact, if you think you're a good Christian, you probably need to go to confession. You probably need to pray a little. You probably need to ask God, God, what do I need to change in my life? There is so much grace. And don't give up. You will reap the harvest. And secondly, the inspiration for this whole message came from Nehemiah, chapter 8, verse 10, where he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, the context for this scripture is fascinating. The Israelites have been in captivity for hundreds of years, a long time. And they finally are rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And as they're rebuilding the walls, something crazy happens. They find the book of the law. They didn't have God's word. They had lost it. They had lost their direction. They were way off the path. They didn't even know there was a path. And they found the book of the law. And it's such a beautiful picture because what do you do when you rebuild walls? You rebuild the boundaries. It, 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 let me talk about it in, the, in our culture, right? Our culture is all about taking down the boundaries. That's literally the MO of the culture right now. What's a man? What's a woman? Who knows? There is no boundary. Or they might say, oh, I've got some things written here, right? Boundaries like the difference between a man and a woman. Sex is only good in the context of marriage. No, 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 no. Sex is boundless. You can do it any, with anybody, anytime, anywhere. That marriage is between a man and a woman. That marriage is between one man and one woman. All of the boundaries are being pushed and broken. The drunkenness is uh, something that is embraced and accepted. Instead of your 20s being for... The culture wants to tell you that your 20s are a time where you're no longer a child. And so you no longer have those boundaries. You don't live at your parents' house or you have this ability. You're an adult now. Do whatever you want. And what has all of this boundary resetting, tearing down the walls, what has it done? Anxiety, depression, and loneliness are at all-time highs in our culture. Every single thing that is torn down has opened people up to walking right off the path. Not even knowing that there is a path. All of this is not because God's up there going, man, you wicked, evil people, I wish I could just smite you. No, 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 no. It's like Jesus, as he looked over Jerusalem, he said, how long have I longed to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings? All these lost and broken people who don't understand that the path of life has boundaries. And so you see all of this symbolism happening in Nehemiah. They rebuild the walls and they discover the law. That's what we're doing in this church. We're rebuilding the walls. Not because the walls were torn down and we embraced the culture. None of that. But because that's our job in our culture always. Every generation, every year, we have a Lent to remind us to rebuild those walls. Because things fall apart. The center cannot hold. In the midst of rebuilding these walls, they discover the book of the law. And the people hear the words of the law, and they realize how far off the path they've been. And all the misery of their life comes crashing down, and they're weeping and mourning as they hear, Oh man, we messed up. But what does Nehemiah say in that moment? I'm glad you're crying, you wicked sinners. You better just get it all out because you guys deserve it. No. 
The message of Lent instead is the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not weep. Do not mourn. This day is holy to the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So for you who are feeling defeated, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling like I'm trying God. Well, where's your strength going to come from? It's not from striving. It's not from selfish ambition. It's not from being holier than thou. It's from the joy of the Lord. Within the context, he says, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine. Send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to the Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what I want our Lent to be about. It needs to be about rediscovering the joy of the Lord, what he has done for us. In fact, I think the biggest problem that we have with Lent is we, also, we often think about Lent as a way of measuring what we've done for God. How good have you been? What have you done? What have you given up? Our Lent should always be about what he's done for us. When we put aside the burdens of sin that we, for whatever reason, for our unruly desires we pick up, we put them aside and we experience the joy of the freedom that Christ already walked it out for us. Let me make one more point as we close. There was a young man in a youth group. Whole long story. But he came up to his youth leader and he said, I just, I can't be Christian anymore. The youth leader's like, wait, what do you mean? Why? And he goes, it's great and all, but I want to party. I want to go hang out and do all the things that my friends are doing. I don't want to do this anymore. And it broke the youth leader's heart. At least the kid was honest. But man, he missed it. Christianity is not about missing out on all the fun things that everybody else gets to do. It's about discovering that all those things are empty without Christ at the head. In fact, I've had better parties with you guys than anybody else. I'll say that. St. Michael seems to get this. (laughs) It's not about giving up good things. It's about discovering the good thing. Christ and Christ crucified and the hope of resurrection. And so in Matthew 13, 44, Jesus sums up this whole idea, this whole message, and he does it in one sentence. Very easily, like it's crazy. Oh, it's broken up into two sentences here, but in the, you know, in the ancient languages, you know, I'm sure it was one sentence. But either way, Matthew 13, 44, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then what? In his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. This Lent, we're called to renew our faith, to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're called to renew the bonds of love with one another and live in unity. And we're called to go and sell all we have and buy that field. Because the treasure is Jesus. And when we give up our things, it's so that we can have more of him. It's so we can get things out of the way and experience true life, life abundantly. But like many of the things Jesus said, this parable has a whole other meaning. That Jesus actually looked out and he saw a field of the world. And within the world, he saw a treasure. And that treasure is you, everyone in this room. And he went and he sold all he had and he bought that field. 
So even as you leave this message and you think about the ways you want to experience life and joy, remember, it's actually all about Him. And all we're doing, like Bishop says, is just we're giving Him a little bit of cooperation. We're just walking in the ways that He walked. But it's all about Him and the fact that He loves you. And that is the joy of the Lord. Amen? Let us confess the faith of our fathers. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as we meditate on these 40 days of Lent, let us offer fervent prayers to God who gave himself up for us. That the church, led by the Spirit, will boldly preach the good news without reservation. Lord, in your mercy, that nations facing disaster or war will receive their necessary assistance. Lord, in your mercy, that men and women who are tempted by evil will submit to God's grace and not be deceived. Lord, in your mercy, that those who are preparing for baptism and confirmation will persevere in their desire to walk according to God's Holy Spirit. Lord, in your mercy, that the sick will be sustained by the care of the Christian community. Lord, in your mercy, that we who are gathered here today will know the Lord more deeply through our Lenten prayer, fasting, and works of charity. Lord, in your mercy, for our own personal intentions. Lord, in your mercy, By the power of Christ's victory, you have put away our shame and remembered our sins no more. Hear our prayer and change our lives, that we may be faithful to the gospel. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And with your spirit. Share the peace with your neighbors. Lord. 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 Lord.
Well, we wanted to welcome all of our visitors today. We've got them from Henderson uh, and a few others that are here. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, if you have any questions, see us. We'll be out front afterwards. And uh, we'd love to answer any questions you have. Hope that you enjoyed the service. and Hope that you come back again. We like having people here. It's, it is weird having so many of the young people gone. I depend on them a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the 7.30, my two sons do a lot for me, open the doors and get everything ready. So this morning I was scrambling. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, it says catechism is tonight. I don't know if Father Lewis is doing catechism tonight after the retreat or not, but he's with the kids, so he'll let them know. So we'll find out whenever they get back. Uh, we do have confessions on Saturday from 10 to 12. It'll be just inside the side door over here. We've got a little, kind of a little chapel that we've been setting up uh, in there. And so we welcome you to come, uh, to come to uh, confession, the sacrament of reconciliation. It's a good way to take those, the guilt and the shame and everything that the enemy beats you up on. It's nice to come and have the priest declare that you're absolved. Amen. And let that uh, anointing work. Um, fire night, March 6th. Yep. And open house the next night. That'll cool. be great here for our Christian Academy. Awesome. Anything else? Well, I got a text that apparently Floris and Gwen are here. And so wherever you're at, I want to say hi to you, but say hi. Thanks for being here. <laughs> I got a text that we were supposed to send you some love from our uh, church out in uh, Long Island. So oh, that was my one announcement for today. <laughs> Either way, let us pray for our offering. You know, I left my book over there. I'm supposed to read a thing. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and make good your vows to the Most High. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, he's been my fortress in the fire, time after time, born of his spirit, washed in his Trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. Perfect submission, all is Oh, this 
Sunday school, and I see most of them have got suckers. I guess that's part of the joy of the Lord. They all got suckers. That was a good word. I actually taught a similar word at the 730 uh, that I do the service, and it's, it's so important to just respond to no matter what your circumstances and to worship the Lord. Uh, at, Friday, or at the fire night, the Lord kind of showed me that in any situation you're in, the answer of worshiping Him always works. No matter how good or how bad or anything else, just worship the Lord. And that joy, that fruit of the Spirit, just be released inside of you. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your heart. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father. Almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. 
For by your gracious gift each year, your faithful await the sacred, sacred Paschal feast with the joy of minds made pure, so that, more eagerly intent on prayer and on the works of charity, and participating in the mysteries by which they've been reborn, they may be led to the fullness of grace that you bestow on your sons and daughters. And so, with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. by sending down your spirit upon them so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread and he gave you thanks. He broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was entered, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. Gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let us, therefore, proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ, Christ has died. Christ, Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, the saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. Humbly, we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, our Bishop Douglas, and with all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Susan, Naomi, Sonia, Sandra, Doug, Tammy, Patrick, Luke, Bob, Jermaine, Sandy, Jeff, Kate, Dave, Roseanne, Michael, Michael, the Marines and Sailors of Camp Pendleton, and all those who served our armed forces. You may add names of those you are praying for. 
draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. Lord, you've made us worthy to share eternal life with the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, with Joseph, her husband, and with the apostles, the martyrs, with St. Michael and all thy saints. May we praise you in union with him and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. <coughs> By him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold Him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who were called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. The gifts of God for the people of God.
accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with the spiritual food and the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. As you go out from this place, always remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us. That's some good joy. Remember that God has loved you, God has forgiven you, God's not angry at you, and God will never leave you or forsake you. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, be with you and those you love and care for now and forever. Amen. Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.